Good morning, happy Sabbath, everyone. Um, for those of you who don't know, and if you didn't hear just then, I'm Monique. Um, when coming up with what I was going to talk about this morning, I thought, thought I was going okay until I went to secondary school awards night and I heard this young man in the second row do his cap school captain's address. And I just sat there, just awesome. It was absolutely amazing. And if you were there, you know what I'm talking about. Mikey, it was so good, you and Raylene, and you made me feel really great about my writing. So thank you. Um, but a little bit about me. I graduated from North Vine in 2012. And since then, I've been studying primary teaching at Avondale College. And I recently turned 21 a bit of a milestone, a time when memories and photos are, from your life are resurfaced, most of the time purely for embarrassment purposes. But it got me thinking about all the memories and the oddest little things that you can remember about your life. Friends, events, laughs, tears, trips, the fact that stressed spelt backwards is desserts, and year 11 math content. Oh wait, not that last one. During my teaching course, I've been on five practicums, and it always astounds me the things that kids remember, like how we haven't had show and tell yet, and it's 3 p.m., and why we haven't had show and tell yet is because they couldn't remember where to stack their handwriting books. I googled a few more funny student answers to questions, and this is what I found. When asked, when is it okay to kiss someone? Pam, age seven, replied, when they're rich. <laughs> Seven-year-old Kurt says, well, the law says you have to be 18, so I wouldn't want to mess with that. And 10-year-old Ricky had the spot-on answer to the question, how would you make a marriage work? With his response, tell your wife she looks pretty, even if she looks like a truck. Although there are lots of things and memories I remember, there are also a lot of things that I personally forget. There have been numerous times I've forgotten that I put a load of washing on and then left it in there until the next day. I consistently forget how long I have to boil an egg for because it's such a mundane task that just refuses to stay in my long-term memory. In year 12, I had the embarrassing habit of forgetting to do up the back of my zip of my school uniform skirt a zip that when not done up could and would reveal quite a bit. So, resulting in my friends having to check that I was actually properly dressed each morning when I came to school. And in my second year of college, I read my timetable incorrectly and forgot it was Tuesday, not Monday, therefore missed all my first classes of 2014. Um, and I'm sure it's not just me. We as humans sometimes have the tendency to be forgetful, and some more than others. In your heads, just do a little bit of a silent checklist. You don't need to put your hands up or anything. You can keep it secret. But just give yourself a little tick if you have ever forgotten any of these things. Forgotten to turn off your hair straightener or curler when you left the house. Forgotten to close the garage door on your way to church. <laughs> Dad. This point is inspired by my dad. He is absolutely paranoid of leaving the garage door up and it always seems to happen when we're on our way to church. On one occasion, I think he even drove pretty much all the way here, convinced himself that he left the door open, then drove all the way back home only to find the door 
closed. Have you ever forgotten how fast you were going on the highway? In my case, it's how slow. I get so caught up in my own little bubble of enthusiastic car karaoke that it takes a few minutes for me to realise that all the cars passing me are really angry at me for going 10Ks under the, slow, the speed limit. Have you ever forgotten that object that you forgot? When you walk into a room and just stand there in stunned silence, waiting for it to come to you, what you actually walked into that room to get? Have you ever forgotten where you parked? Have you ever, kids, forgotten to do a chore mum or dad asked you to do and you only just remember as you hear them coming in the door? So you run to start unstacking the dishwasher or run to throw the clothes in the washing machine so that you don't look totally irresponsible. Have you ever forgotten to put food back in the fridge after using it? But if you ask my dad, there are two foods that never go off, cheese and chocolate. These items of food never go off, ever. That white stuff that you get on like brie or camembert cheese, yeah, mould, but what's a little blue or green mould, you know, maybe add to the flavour or something. They never go off, and this is probably why no one has, or now will, come to our house to eat. Yeah. Have you ever forgotten about that hot drink you made four hours ago and then heated up in the microwave two hours after that? Have you ever forgotten your child's name? Actually, a lot of these are inspired by my dad. Thanks, Dad. Or what about these? Have you ever forgotten to take the time to be in awe? In awe of God's creation, the things around you, the things he has blessed you with. Have you ever forgotten to put quality time into your relationship with God? Have you ever forgotten to have confidence in who you are and your purpose in life? Have you ever forgotten how much God loves you? These are a few of, I suppose you could say, the more serious things that we can or do forget in our walk with God. A few of the things that I'm going to touch on this morning, and everyone's journey with God is different, but these are just a few of the things that I personally have forgotten and things that I've come to realise during my own personal walk with God. So number one, take the time to be in awe. Awe, an overwhelming feeling of reverence or admiration produced by that which is grand, sublime, extremely powerful and the like. I think being in awe is something that we're forgetting to do. Even the word itself holds such meaning and power. Awe. I think it's becoming more and more difficult to impress people these days. Well, with technology and body image and the like, we are ignorant to the awe-inspiring things that surround us every single day. I walk down to the education building at Avondale pretty much every day when I'm at college. And when you think about it, it's actually a really pretty walk. In the springtime, I get to walk below a canopy of blooming jacaranda trees and then leisurely or power walk because I'm late down a road lined with palm trees, with the sun shining. But I never really took note of my surroundings properly until one of my friends just casually stated one day, huh, you, you never really look up around here. It's really pretty. And I turned to see her gazing up at the sky, admiring the view, and she was right. I don't think I'd ever, ever looked up along that path. I was always looking at the Ed building, stressing over whether I had remembered the readings for that class. 
If any of you have seen Louis Giglio's How Great Is Our God sermon series, you'll know that he makes comparisons between God's galactic creations and the tiny little earth that we live on to demonstrate God's hugeness. For example, if earth were the size of a golf ball, the star Betelgeuse, which is, if I remember correctly, it's twice the size of Earth's orbit around the sun. So already the sun is pretty huge. This star is even bigger. So if Earth were the size of this golf ball, Betelgeuse would be the height of six Empire State Buildings stacked on top of each other. That's big. Good luck finding your golf ball from the top of six Empire State Buildings. That's huge. And God created that. And that's not even the biggest star. In Psalm 36, verse 5 to 6, if you want to turn there with me, if you have your Bibles or your phones. I actually forgot my Bible this morning. Matches in with what we're talking about, I guess. Psalm 36, verse 5 to 6. And I'm reading from the message. And it says, God's love is meteoric, his loyalty astronomic, his purpose titanic, yet, and his ver verdicts oceanic. Yet in his largeness, nothing gets lost. In his largeness, nothing gets lost. That verse uses words like meteoric, astronomic, titanic, oceanic. Those words are big. They are huge. In the grand scheme of things, we are microscopic, but God never loses sight of us, never loses you. It's just if you let yourself think about that for too long, you just turn to denial and disbelief because our human brains just can't fathom the greatness of our God. That's awe. Just to blow your minds a little bit more, um, I want to share with you something that one of my Christian studies lecturers shared with us this year. Um, and I thought it was pretty cool. It's called The Odds You Exist. And if they'll put it up on the screen. Um, but I'm gonna, just going to go through the main points, but you can have a read if it comes up. So this is What Are The Odds You Exist? And it's by the author Ali Benazir. And he pretty much mathematically figures out the odds that we exist. And I'm not a mathematician. In fact, numbers terrify me. But this just blew my mind. So the probability of your dad meeting your mum. Over 25 years, your dad probably met around 10,000 women. So the odds that your mum was in this small group and met your dad is 1 in 20,000. So what's the probability that they'll stay together long enough to have kids? 1 in 10 chance that they talk to each other. 1 in 10 chance that they go on a second date. One in, another 1 in 10 chance that they keep dating for a while and then a coin toss as to whether they stay together long enough to have kids. So the odds that your parents' meeting results in children are 1 in 2,000. So, so far, combined, the odds of you being here are 1 in 40 million. And that's about the size of the population of California, he says. Okay, but now things get tricky because he goes to talk about the odds that you were made, you specifically, not your brother, not your sister, you specifically. So that's one in 400 quadrillion. That's approximately the volume in cubic metres of the Atlantic Ocean. But wait, there's more. 
you being here means that every one of your ancestors lived to the reproductive age. And the author takes this point of view from an evolutionist perspective with the math for this going back millions and millions of years, but we can still get the picture. So there are one in two odds that a child will be born, grow, and have their own children per generation, and he figures it out for 150,000 generations. This is a lot of numbers. If it's confusing you, I understand. <laughs> That's one in 10 to the power of 45,000 that you exist today, to the power of. That's a big number. Not only is that bigger than all the particles in the universe, it's bigger than all the particles in the universe if each particle itself were a universe. That's crazy. That's pretty big. But for every single one of those ancestors, of your ancestors, the right DNA had to come together. So that's one in quadrillion multiplied by one quadrillion for every generation. Our odds are now 1 in 10 to the power of 2,640,000. And if your brain isn't hurting now, there's probably something wrong with you. But adding up all these ridiculous numbers, we get the odds that we exist here today, 1 in 10 to the power of 2,685,000. That is humongous. And the picture's pretty blurry, but that's okay. It's a big, big number. So the odds of us being here are pretty much, you know, zero. Doesn't that make you feel like a miracle? That's just amazing. And it can sometimes slip our minds, but we never forget, never forget what kind of God that we serve. Never forget to take the time to be in awe. Okay, never forget to put time into your relationship with God, number two. I'm pretty bad at following through with habits. I try hard to be organised and follow through with what I tell myself I will do, but that isn't always the case, and I can end up putting my relationship with God on the back burner. This year, I actually had to set reminders on my phone to have my own personal God time, where I would journal and read a devotional piece just to keep me in check. And I went pretty well, like I did well for about a solid three weeks until assignments swamped me. And I sacrificed my time with God for study sessions and stressed out feasts on any piece of chocolate that I could get my hands on and just printing pages and pages and pages of assessments. And whenever this happens, I know in my subconscious that I still need to be spending that time with God, but just things are getting in the way and preventing me. And this always makes me remember the story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10. So if you can turn there with me. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 40. Luke 10, 38, 40. As they continued their travel, Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. But Martha was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. Later, she stepped in, interrupting them. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. And what always struck me about this story was that it was Martha who welcomed Jesus into her home. She made Jesus feel at home in her house. 
And I love how the Bible includes this detail. I think it's really interesting. Martha was the one who opened the door and welcomed Jesus in wholeheartedly. But then she got pulled away. She got distracted just with other things that just got in the way of her time with Jesus. We may begin by welcoming God into our hearts wholeheartedly, but sometimes we forget to continue to put time into that relationship. We forget, amid, we forget amidst all the distractions. We forget to be thankful. I taught you one on my last prac, the youngest grade that I've ever taught so far, and it would always slightly annoy me when the bell had already gone to go home and I was on bus duty and I had to get outside and my kids were nowhere near packed up and we would finish the day with a prayer. And this adorable little child would just take their time praying and listing off all the things they were thankful for and happy about and I was like, I need to get outside. <laughs> but when I snapped out of my frazzled adult trance of hurry up and stop talking, I noticed how precious it was. These kids were just having a great old talk to God, saying that they were thankful for the most beautiful things, things that I've forgotten to thank God for, that's for sure. Thank you, God, that we could learn how to write an exposition. We forget, forget to thank God for even what we may deem to be a mundane, everyday thing. Never forget that God is in your heart and to sit at his feet and thank him. And stretch your mind and thank you for something that you haven't thanked him for in a long time. Never forget who dwells in your heart. Number three, never forget to have confidence in who you are and your purpose. Year seven and eight are awkward years. Well, they were for me. When I was in year seven and eight, I was small, timid, had horrific eyebrows, and I was deeply concerned what other people thought of me. If someone asked me who my favourite singer was, I would always ask them first and then just agree with them, just so I could fit in. I was so worried that my answer wouldn't be deemed acceptable. I forgot that I had a voice. I had my own thoughts, ideas and opinions. God gave me a personality, different to everyone else, and that's not something to be ashamed of. To quote the Chronicles of Narnia movie, Prince Caspian, you doubt your value, don't run from who you are. When searching for a favourite Bible verse for myself, I wanted something a little bit different, a little bit obscure, not really a well-known verse, a hidden gem. And I came across this one and I've loved it ever since. It's 1 Corinthians 15, 58. And it says, with all this going on for us, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground and don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Words like stand, throw and confident really jump out at me. Comparison is a thief of joy. Comparing careers, incomes, achievements, looks can be so destructive. But this verse encourages us to stand our ground, to hold our heads up high in who we are and what we do. Th to throw ourselves into the work of Christ, not dawdle or half-heartedly complete something, throw. And to be confident that what you're doing for God is not a waste of time or effort. Exhaustion, doubt and fear may come. But that's not for nothing. God has given every single person in this room talents and abilities. And it might seem like others shine brighter than others at times. But that is not the way that you are viewed by God. 
Everyone here shines brightly, so hold that promise in your hearts. Never forget that you are a son or a daughter of a mighty God. Be confident in the person that God has created you to be. Be confident in the gifts you've been given and don't be shy about using them for his work. Be a flamingo in a flock of pigeons. Never forget who you are. And finally, never forget how much God loves you. A way I like to think about this is that God is like the ultimate antique collector, a hardcore, dedicated antique collector, and we are his antiques. Each one unique, special, with its own little backstory, and God knows every single antique in his collection, where they come from, their history, and how they came to be in his care. Some may have been in his collection for a while, some recent additions, some may be in great condition, some may have a few cracks or a touch of discoloration, and some may look like they're about to fall apart. But God takes care of all of them. He handles every single one with the utmost care. Some, some antiques he's still to find. Each new addition brings a smile to his face and joy to his heart. We are God's precious antiques. You are God's precious antique. Each and all loved, admired and valued. And I hope you never forget that. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much that we can come together here, all your precious antiques, knowing that you love us and knowing that we can be confident in who you've made us to be. Um, I pray that you'll help us all to just remember to be in awe and to be thankful of the little things that you've given us each in all our lives. I pray that you'll give us the confidence to hold our heads up high as we walk around shining our light for you. In your name I pray, amen.